Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number five of Stride and Saunter. I am one of your hosts, Kip Clark. And I am Hector Marrero. And today, our topic is on public transportation. I will say that it might seem completely out of the blue, but I've got a story attached to this one. So this summer, I was more pensive than usual, thinking about virtually anything. I you know, meditated and thought about a lot of stuff. And living in a suburb of Boston in Wellesley, I've been into the city a few times. And so usually when I go, I take the T, which is Boston's subway system, in order to get into the city. And, you know, in the few times that I did this summer, as I've done in the past, I uh, was observant of some things that I saw. And there was a lot in there that I wanted to discuss, as I've done with some other friends. But I'm really glad that I have Hector here to, to talk about some things, because he has some experience himself with public transportation, so I thought he'd be a good partner in this conversation. So, Hector, I guess my first question would be, Yes. what was your first exposure to public transportation, if you remember, or at least generally, when you were first introduced to this idea of riding somewhere with people you don't know? What was it like? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I'm from New York City, and so I've been taking public transportation for a very, very long time. I've always lived relatively near a train station, which is actually kind of weird to think about. Now, now that I'm actually contemplating it, I don't think I've ever lived in my time in New York. I mean, I guess in New York City, it's impossible to live too far away from a train station. I guess one of my earliest memories of public transportation was taking one of the express buses downtown. I had a Game Boy in my hand and I was going with my mom and dad downtown to like see some show. It was nighttime. I can't remember what show it was. I think it was a circus actually. But honestly, I think before that, I think I took the, I must have taken the train pretty often. I remember taking the train or the bus to go over to visit my dad at work. And it was always kind of an event. I would get to see him in his job. He works near the public library in New York. So I would always go to Bryant Park, which I love loved. But yeah, yeah, I, I've been taking the train for, for quite a while. And I have quite a few memories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I myself think about the first time that I was on public transportation. I'm not sure I remember fully, but I used to live in Mercer Island, Washington, which is near, mm -hmm. near Seattle, rather. And I don't remember ever taking any trains there, although I think I probably did at some points. But for me, one of the earliest memories is airplanes which I consider to be public transportation because usually they're not private. But I want to talk about airplanes at another point. Ooh, that's so, a, I didn't even think about airplanes. Yes. That's true. Yeah, that is public transportation. So the next, <laughs> the next type of public transportation that I think, yeah, I did first take was the train. Mm. And for me, I think a lot of public transportation comes down to economic status. I come from a family that has not needed to take public transportation. And that's something I want to get back to because I think it's affected the way in which I perceive public transportation that it's more of a luxury in a lot of ways, which might sound weird to some people. They'd say, why would you want to be cramped in with all those other people? And I'll get to that too. But yeah, my first experiences were throughout high school, really. I don't know why I wasn't a more adventurous child, but in middle school and, and before, I didn't really take the train into Boston. I, I'd been driven in, I'd gone in with you know, friends or whatever, but never on, on the train. And so yeah, my first experiences were actually affected by by other groups of students my age. I didn't go you know, with a single friend or, or even just one parent, I was with like 20 classmates on a photography field trip or a community service project. And so it was a very sheltered form of public transportation because there was an adult chaperone with us mm -hmm. or, or someone else. It was just very interesting that I was never really alone on public transportation. So yeah, I think my first experience with it was, was still something that was kind of veiled. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess then I would ask Hector, 
talk a little bit about the role of public transportation in your life. I'm guessing it might have changed over time, but I'm curious to know sort of what place it's found in your livelihood. Yeah, I mean, I, I still remember faces. So I went to the Bronx High School Science for a few years. And when I was going there, I would take the 26 bus up to uh, my school. And I, you know, every day would be a completely different adventure because based on, you know, the drivers, sometimes you'd have buses that were completely jam packed with people, absolutely full past the line, which, you know, you're not supposed to have people standing past the line. And then some buses would be completely empty. I remember there were some weird looking people on the bus, but I, I just got used to seeing them. And so they were almost, it was almost as if I wanted to talk to these people who I would see so often. And I recognized what stop they would get off on, but I never did. You know, I just, I just observed them. So it was a very, you know, it was very much me just looking at these people. And it was also fun to go in at different times. Sometimes I would go very early in the afternoon back home sometimes it would be much later at 6 or 7 p.m. I would be going back home the buses at that point were much less uh, frequent and they were usually a lot emptier yeah but paying attention to the people was always interesting but another thing about riding in public transportation is that you're always going on the same exact route it's always the same route for the most part you know 99% of the time you're going through the same route I remember at one point they were doing construction they were removing the asphalt of the main road where the bus went through and so they were like removing chunks of asphalt at a time so the street would be closed from like you know one block would be closed at a time as they replaced the asphalt and you know kind of change the infrastructure of the streets so I remember for a short period of time, the 26 bus would actually take the side route and go through a residential street. And I remember almost crashing into a stop sign because the bus was so freaking big. And we, I, I could watch the bus like almost smack the stop sign and make the bang sound when like it hit a tree branch. But also because the, the route became so familiar, little details would, you know, spring up. I would notice new sales or new storefronts when they were created, but also things like I remember one time being at a stoplight and I just happened to be looking up from whatever I was doing. I might have been reading a book or listening to some music and there's this van that just sped past us going between you know both lanes going way too quickly and all of a sudden in a blink of an eye two police cruisers just smashed right into each other and one of the cruisers was just spinning. I could see glass everywhere and it was the first time I'd ever seen a real car accident and this was before iPhones if anything the iPhone 1 existed but I just had a regular flip phone so the first thing I did was call my mom and say watch the news and it was crazy I also saw on my route one day a person who was shot dead on the street and there were these big police vans surrounding the area and a guy with you know a plastic sheet over his body and those little number things that you see in CSI and Law and Order that are the evidence markers yeah, yeah. And those were some things I had never seen before. And they were all on the same route that I took twice every day towards the school and back home. There were just these little things that would happen. And yeah, it, it was interesting. And, it, and they were so jarring because you get so used to kind of being maybe numb to what's going on around because you're just, you just want to get to the other point. But a lot happens around, you know, the space. Yeah, definitely. As I've said, most of my experience, at least thus far, is really with the subway system in Boston. So we obviously have a prescribed route. Uh, the T is not creative enough to, <laughs> to take its own path, really. But yeah, I mean, I, I noticed certain things. There are certain pieces where the, the track sort of 
tilts one way and it almost feels like I'm looking down certain houses I remember certain golf courses that we pass by and then of course the the announcer there's there's a voice that comes over the the intercon system that says is it clear stop you're at. can you hear it yeah oh um, which is interesting maybe that's just a difference and maybe there's not enough people on the, on the tee to make enough noise but yeah I always know sort of where we are I just asked because on subways the the voice is almost always completely garbled even on the buses it's usually you know you can never understand anything it's yeah. unintelligible um, see there's a difference that like I don't have to deal with or I've never had to thus far deal with not knowing where I am mm-hmm. visual cues auditory cues and there's also very helpfully maps showing the stops in order where where you're going where you are right now and you know you can easily figure it out and it's always very interesting to sort of to see people examine them because people of all ages do it i've done it a number of times because i haven't memorized the order of wobbin woodland you know eventually you get these things down but initially you're still a bit confused and there are parts of the route that maybe you don't remember fully everyone looks at it and it's it's very interesting to me because I think it humanizes the people that look at it because, you know, the woman who's 78 who's looking at it has obviously been around the block a few times and the kid who's 14 who's looking at it to, you know, get to whatever part of the city maybe for the first time is also taking it. And it's just very interesting. I have more to say on trains, but I think a good question now would be how each of us behaves on public transportation. When you're on a bus, when you're on a train, (laughs) what do you do? Well, you know, I guess not including planes. Let's not include planes, but like on on the train and bus in New York, I always have this persona. I think this this was kind of inspired by my dad. He would always say, you know, be very vigilant, always look around, be, be wary of yourself. And so I always had this, like, some people call it stink face or whatever. Whatever, but I have a really I get a scowl I, I look really mean on public transportation or in the very least my face is neutral I try not to react to anything and at the same time always look around and always uh, pay attention to things just you know the last time I was in New York I was going uptown back home and in the blink of an eye, I saw a man get his phone stolen. And, you know, some other person had been watching this guy, knew that he had a bicycle and took advantage of that fact because he knew he couldn't run because he had this bicycle. And so if he were to chase after him, he would have to abandon his bicycle. So it would be a lose-lose situation. But it was crazy. It was just in a second, this guy's phone was stolen. And it's moments like that that I remember, oh, that's why I have to always watch out. And that's why I always have to be careful. And yeah, sometimes you get some sketchy people surrounding you on the bus. You're going somewhere at a late hour. It's important to at least know where you're headed and be you know, grounded mentally. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I feel like I probably do similar things. And, and I'm thinking back, trying to recall sort of my behaviors or my, my instincts. But yeah, I don't know. A lot of it for me, and I think, again, this comes from the very privilege, and I'm, you know, openly aware of that, of not needing to ride public transportation, but choosing to, mm-hmm. that I think, to me, exoticizes it, makes it something interesting. And I'm always sort of excited, I guess, for lack of a better word, by by the random types of people on on the T. I'm sure that more seasoned veterans of public transportation would warn me not to do that. I'm sure it's probably one of the most risky things to be interested in other people, but you never know what someone's been through. They might snap, they might be very aggressive or upset with you if you take any interest, even just conversationally in who they are. But it always fascinates me. You know? mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons that I, I ended up talking to a friend about it this summer is that I remember sitting on the tee, and this has happened to me countless times, uh, and, and looking around and just noticing in the clothes and the racial diversity, you see so much of humanity represented. And I don't mean all of humanity, definitely. But I think in a, a confined space, 
on public transportation for the most part, not always, you can see, like you can visually perceive how much human experience is in that space. And it always boggles my mind how little we tap into that. Because mm-hmm. there's a man over there who looks like he's typing something on his MacBook, but I'm not going to ask him what he's writing. Although I'm very, very curious to know. And I suspect that at least given his visual age, you know, this guy probably has some wisdom, some thoughts, even if he's quote unquote crazy, he probably has a perspective that I don't have. And it, it, it always sort of saddens me that I guess I don't have the courage to go up and talk to those people because I rarely do. Maybe I'll give them a passing compliment, but I have that, that thought inside that I'm always sort of intrigued to know what's going on in Mm -hmm. the lives of other people, because you see so many people, very few of whom look like me, at least in sort of the way they're behaving. There are plenty of white males on the T, but it's just, it's interesting. But in terms of my behavior, as I have digressed a bit, I mean, I usually listen to music, so I've got my earbuds in. And if someone makes eye contact with me, I try to smile. So perhaps we're, we're different in that regard. Although you didn't say if someone looks at you, you'd scowl, but just that in general, you have to <laughs> scowl to you. If someone's not looking at me, I probably have a very similar neutral, maybe even scary face because I don't necessarily want the attention. If it is given to me, I think the best way to sort of deal with it, make sure someone's not a threat to you is like smile, you know, show them that you are not of malintent, but maybe that's me showing weakness. I mean, there's all kinds of psychological theories, I'm sure. It's very interesting. And I noticed that that very little eye contact is made. So I I probably don't even have to worry about looking one way or another because very few people look up. Um, You know, people are looking at Kindles, iPods, books, their babies. You know, there's all kinds of things to sort of hold your attention and to sort of excuse you from dealing with other people, which is fine. But yeah, I, I always come back to looking around and seeing the diversity of people. In fact, for listeners that have gone to college and now have an alma mater, I was on the tee this summer and there was a kid who had a shirt that said Kenyon College on it, which is not yet my alma mater, but I didn't go up and talk to the guy. And I, in retrospect, it, it bones me out that I didn't. I, I got close to him. I moved over to his side of the tee, but I didn't say a word to the guy. And I don't know why. I think I felt like I wouldn't have much to say. We, we'd talk about the shared school. We'd talk about, you know, what your major was. Oh, I'm I'm an English major, but I I felt like I wouldn't have much to say beyond that. But yeah, the lack of conversation, at least with strangers on public transportation, always fascinates me. And I'd be curious to know, I mean, do you ever talk to strangers on the New York transportation? Is that absolutely unheard of? What do you think? Yes, I have, but they've been very rare. And usually it's because we're both, you know, talking about, oh, those two cars just crashed. There's always like an external source that causes us to talk. It's never me asking, what are you listening to? What are you reading? It's always something's happening externally that we're both interested in and we end up talking or in in passing, we end up talking about that. One thing, you know, going back, there are such, you know, you were talking about how you get this cross-cultural sampling in public transportation. I think that's true. You can tell there's so many people of different economic status, of different histories, going to very different homes and going to very different places. There are also people who are, you know, somewhat scary or entertaining. You know, in New York, you have a lot of people come onto the trains and play music, play accordions or breakdance or or freestyle, things like that. I also remember seeing this one woman that she was, she had this very large nose. She was an old woman. She had a very large nose and her eyes were the things that got me. She had these huge eyes and they were completely, completely black. They were colored black. And she was horrifying to look at, absolutely horrifying, but I couldn't stop looking at her. Yeah, I wish I could have photographed her face. I wish I could have, you know, gotten... She would have loved it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it's curious, and I, I do wonder the stories that these people have and the histories, you know, and where and where they're coming from and where they're going to. Sometimes you see people that have, uh, you know, tattoos that are misspelled on their left arm, or people that look like cartoon characters, and it's just interesting because you see them for a second and then they're gone, or you're gone and you never see them again. It's a really poetic experience on a lot of levels. I'm sure there are listeners that might scoff at that, and I can understand, but I mean. At the end of the day, you are you are sharing a journey with someone else, usually with multiple people. Even if you don't discuss it, the journey is still being shared. And I think that's something that often as I'm stepping off the tee makes me smile or, uh, you know, causes me to pause and reflect on that. Because I think it is, it is interesting, especially in that, yeah, you talk about their stories and histories. You don't know where they're going. You know, you, you shared a brief chapter, maybe even a brief sentence in a chapter. You have no idea how it began or how it's going to end which I guess is true of our own lives, but it's very, very interesting as we sort of cross by people. But I, I mean, I talked a lot about my sensation in, in riding the tea and sort of the things that I noticed in the cross-cultural sample that you talked about, but I'm very curious to know what you see and, and notice and feel when you're on public transportation in New York. Yeah, I mean, it depends. You know, there, there are different levels of public transportation. Subways, for the most part, are pretty filthy in New York. I, I did go to Boston, though, a few times. I, I went uh, over some winter breaks, and uh, I noticed that the trains or the trams or whatever those things are, the platform is not that much higher than the actual track. Yes. Which I think is awesome because, you know, in the New York City subway system, if you fall into the tracks, that can, you know, screw you up in a pretty bad way. And not everybody can climb back up onto the platform. Are they, are they like four or five feet maybe? I would say four or five feet sounds okay. about right. Seen, yeah. I, I think I've seen like video of either accidents or near accidents. Mm -hmm. like someone was a, was a, fell asleep or, you know, a baby stroller rolled in. But yeah, they look pretty tall from what I've seen. That makes me think about all, the, there are so many different kinds of public transportation for example, San Francisco still has those little trolleys going around. I mean, I think people take them, I think mostly tourists take uh, trolleys nowadays. And I know that they have, I think, the BART, which is this, yes. you know, yep. modern tram type thing. But yeah, it is pretty fascinating to see just, you know, the different types of public transportation. You know, some are newer than others. In New York, for example, you have a lot of buses that are express buses and they are a little more cushy. Actually, they're a lot more cushy than normal buses and that they have you know cushioned seats they look more like a greyhound bus than anything and they also cost six dollars to ride which is an incredible amount of money but you know already you have by making the price six dollars you're already filtering a part of the population from entering this type of transportation which i also think is an interesting thing you know you'll often i think in most train stations you'll see people who are homeless or not doing well and they're asking for change you're refilling your metro card or buying a ticket of some sort people will ask for change or people ask for money which is you know it's kind of a bummer <laughs> yeah that actually that connects to a very weird anecdote that I'd, I'd like to share as embarrassing as it might be I think it happened twice that sort of surrounded by all these people I've often sort of thought like okay here might be a good chance to do a good deed or to interact with a stranger and I think on two occasions I've tried to to pay for someone's ride I'll swipe through let them go through and then I'll swipe it myself and you know they got a free ride both times, I think people took it the wrong way, you know, to insinuate that it's it was out of economic need that I was doing this for them. And it's admittedly on my end, perhaps a very weird good deed to try and do because these people didn't ask for it, and then I supplied. I just, you know, I, I offered. In fact, I 
offered rather aggressively both times. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, like you see on subways, at least in Boston, there are gates to prevent you from getting through. You have to swipe your ticket. It's not an honor code thing. You have to pay, otherwise you're not getting on <laughs> the, uh, the transportation. Yeah, and it's very interesting. Have you ever seen somebody like cross through illegally or like, you know, jump the gate? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. It's a good question though. And I've definitely like, I've heard of people doing Mm -hmm. that. There have been times and I should probably do some research to figure this one out. But, uh, when you get on the T, at least in, in, you know, what I've witnessed, you, you can go to the front of the car where there's, you know, an operator and you, you know, you put your ticket in there when you're coming inbound to get into the city, you know, you, you punch your ticket there, so to speak, you, you swipe it, but there are people who get on at different doors where there is no ticket swiping functionality. And I'm wondering what their thought process is because they're definitely not paying. And the train operators are definitely aware that they're getting on <laughs> on like the second or third door on the train, not the not the main entrance. And it's very interesting. I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's certain economic factors at play, I think. Some people have Charlie cards in Boston, <laughs> which is just sort of a permanent card that you can refill. Others get tickets that, you know, after they've run out of their paid amount, you throw it out because it's useless. But yeah, there's definitely some some economic factors there. I mean, one last question that's sort of, I guess, to tie some of these things together, or two, two last questions, rather, mm-hmm. excuse me. First of all, do we like public transportation? Starting first with you, how do you feel about it, Jeff? Oh my God, I love public transportation. So I live in the Bronx. So if you're not familiar with the geography of New York City, which I think most people are because for whatever reason, New York City is this big thing. Um, um, the Bronx is north of Manhattan, and then Manhattan is west of Queens and Brooklyn, and then to the south of Manhattan is Staten Island. And I have family and friends in each one of these boroughs, and the train is relatively nearby my house, and I could just take a bus, get to the train, and be in Manhattan in 40 minutes. And I live, you know, relatively far from Manhattan. I think that's an amazing thing to be able to travel to the city so quickly, not have to think about parking my car and literally just pay a set amount of money to get into the city. It's even better when I need to go to Staten Island. You know, it takes a little longer. It takes about three hours to get there, but I take a train all the way down. It's the same price. And then I take the ferry to Staten Island and the ferry's free and I get you know I get to see the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island in the distance and then you know I'm traveling through Staten Island so yeah I think I think public transportation is amazing I think it's fantastic I think it gets people from place to place very efficiently I think that (laughs) I wish it could be cleaner but you know that that is that is something that I'm not complaining about but it's more of an infrastructural you know, budgeting. That would be a long-term project for the city to do because all of these tunnels are so thickly, deeply established into the city that it's difficult to just revamp them and clean them and uh, recreate them. So they, they've put new trains in my lifetime, which have much clearer PA systems. They look cleaner. They're a lot brighter. They're more secure because they have security cameras and whatnot. But I guess, you know, in, in conclusion, yeah, I, I love public transportation. And, you know, when I'm traveling to another city, for example, San Francisco, it's the best thing. I can't walk from one place. You know, cities are big places and it's easy to get lost in them. And public transportation makes it exponentially easier. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm glad you threw it back to me. Yeah, I like it. Uh, the cleanliness is definitely something I, I would also reflect on, but it's hard. You know, you've got, you've got all kinds of people and like at the risk of throwing them under the bus, which is not a pun or a joke, um, children, of course, are, are a big part of public transportation. There are plenty of parents, I'm sure, that have to travel with their kids either 
as tourists in a city or whatever, and uh, kids make a mess. It's part of life. Have you ever traveled with a kid on public transportation? I have been fortunate enough to escape that <laughs> difficulty. I once traveled with my three cousins and they were i think they this was last summer i think they were like five seven and the youngest one was like three gosh what a nerve-wracking experience it is to be with three children and like their parents were there i was holding hands with one of them and i made sure not to let go of that kid because i mean you know they wanted me to sit down next to them and i'm paying attention to what stop we're on i mean it's a lot to pay attention to it's actually pretty crazy like traveling on a subway or you know any public transportation with a kid because you really got to watch out with what they do and if they're you know they can be annoying the neighbors you get embarrassed and even though you don't know these people it's still embarrassing and people still try to shut their kids up right. which i think is really fascinating like nobody ever says yeah just keep crying they're always like please God, shut up, <laughs> which I think is really fascinating. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be a handful, definitely, I mean, as you obviously mentioned, babies. But no, I haven't traveled with children before. Uh, that will definitely change. I'm lucky sure. you. Some, yeah, someday it'll, it'll be different. Yeah, but, lucky me. That's only happened to me once, and I'm yeah. saying lucky. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> if I know so much. Um, I mean, the cleanliness, as I said, is one thing about public transportation, but of course it's difficult. But I will say, I think one thing that, that neither of us really touched on yet, although we're probably both thinking, is that, you know, it's not only a fast and effective way, but in terms of resources, it makes more sense for 30 people to take one vehicle than to take 30 different cars or whatever. Obviously, if you're biking or walking, you're not really hurting the environment it's a really really cool thing that you know groups of people can travel that way because i think it expedites the process and and simplifies it absolutely and i do enjoy it i mean yeah the cross-cultural part's big for me the speed of it is big for me also in the few cities that i've visited uh chicago st louis if you don't know the area that well typically the public transportation will take you into very populated regions that probably have important landmarks or whatever so in its own way, I think public transportation can be a good tour to sort of show you around the city. I've never been to San Francisco, although I hope to go someday. And I look forward to riding the BART and other things because you're right, cities are huge. So I think we're on the same page there about tr public transportation being, for the most part, a pretty cool thing. Definitely could improve, which actually leads me into my final question, which is a bit of a thinking question that, as our audience, I also invite you to add your input <coughs> to. Hector, I want to know what you think might happen in the future, how you think public transportation might change or evolve, or maybe what you'd like to see evolve or change in public transportation. Yeah, I think in the long term, I guess this is an idealistic thought, we would see less cars, less, less at least fuel consuming cars. And by fuel, I mean uh, gas, oils, hard energy, and more public transportation that is better for the environment, but in the very least can carry more people and take them to the same place more efficiently. I think that would be ideal. I remember reading somewhere about how <laughs> the whole eastern seaboard, you know, New York through Boston, maybe up to Maine, it's going to become just this one massive city as, you know, the population of the world continues to increase and the demand for more housing and more buildings comes into play. You know, we're going to see cities that are much larger and take up a lot more space geographically and so I would hope that public transportation you know plays a role in that and will be able to take you from place to place quickly or you know relatively quickly and you know will increase in quality I don't know if you've ever taken a great
Greyhound bus. I have not yet. <laughs> yeah, Greyhound buses are really interesting because, again, I mean, it's just you get this, you know, sampling of people from all these different places. Sometimes it, it ranges from everywhere from like grimy to just fascinating and intriguing the kinds of people that you see. And there's also, you know, some scary stories about Greyhound buses. But I, I hope that and I imagine that it will become much more efficient. And, you know, I remember also hearing about Elon Musk was talking about Elon Musk is the guy who made the Tesla electric cars that are really super cool. He was he like created at or he planned that. Well, he's a, he's a pioneer. He made PayPal. I, I don't know. So. I, 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 think, don't know I think he's behind something like that. Interesting. Um, but he he developed plans, I'm sure, with his team to create this super quick tube transport that could take you from San Francisco to Los Angeles in I think like two hours some some ridiculously short period of time like that it goes all the way to like 700 miles per hour extremely quick I think it's I don't know if it's air pressure vacuum or like magnetic I don't know how what the technology is but I just know that he released the like details and the plans to the public to uh, kind of like crowdsource ideas to yeah to help that out but I, I think it's pretty fascinating that there are already people who are thinking about creating modern and like even more efficient ways of transportation yeah absolutely revolutionizing it and I heard the same thing about Elon Musk I'm currently looking up on Wikipedia to find out if I'm right or wrong about PayPal uh, yeah co-founding SpaceX PayPal Tesla Motors Hyperloop which I think is the thing Hyperloop we is the thing yeah among others a solar city which we might someday look at together. I think it was really cool. I remember hearing a bit about it. Public transportation is headed in that route. I think cities, although they might not get geographically closer, will be more and more linked to one another in terms of, you know, inter-transit, if you will, and how people get from one place to another quickly. And I think the quality of public transportation will improve. I'm curious and maybe a little bit worried that we talked about this, this cross-cultural sampling. I hope that as public transportation improves, that it does not alienate people who can't necessarily afford higher quality mm -hmm. things that, you know, that, that maybe people living at or beneath the poverty line could still afford these nicer elements of public transportation because they deserve it just as much as anyone else does. And I think that, I mean, like I talked about, for me, one of the best parts of public transportation is seeing that, that cast of, of people, you know, from around the neighborhood and, you know, around town, that if they're not all from one place, yeah, I mean, it's going to continue. It's definitely not going anywhere. I think as long as populations are as dense as they are and as people have such busy lives, we're still going to have it, of course. And it will definitely evolve like everything. I mean, it's not going to stay the same. So I am very curious. I feel like at, at points, and I don't know why I hadn't really thought about this before, but I suspect there will be plugins and ways to interact with public transportation with devices we own. <laughs> I feel like some public transportation are <clears throat> offer places to charge your phone or free Wi-Fi or, you know, Wi-Fi you pay for, but think it's going to be interactive in its own way, if not with us, with our devices. Yeah. You know, just going through this topic, I realize how huge a topic uh, public transportation is. You know, some some thoughts I've had, some things that I'd like to, you know, maybe we can revisit this topic one day. I, I recall, you know, taking public transport with a class I was taking when I was, I traveled to Rome to study there and taking a train and seeing uh, Mount Vesuvius, which was, you know, the volcano mountain 
mountain that exploded and you know destroyed Pompeii once upon a time and here I was seeing it through the window of this you know train with all these interesting you know people from Italy like you know real Italians including some teenagers high schoolers who had their own like fashion that it was so different from America and I also was thinking about you know the first railroads that were built in the 19th century and how mind-blowing an experience and a, a you know a, a piece of technology that must have been for people to know that they could get from one place to another so quickly instead of you know taking horses here they had this coal-powered machine this ah it's just absolutely fascinating thing yeah for sure and you make a good point in saying that yeah it's it's probably a broader topic than we realize there's probably a lot there to to dig into should we ever want to in the future but this is actually going to be a bit of a shorter episode so in closing as always we want this to be a conversation among not just a conversation between so please feel free to reach us at twitter or on twitter rather at stride and saunter as well as gmail stride and saunter gmail.com we're on facebook as well please please give us all your thoughts concerns questions comments opinions criticisms and all other forms of input but as always from thought to word and voice to ear we thank you for listening this is kip clark signing off and this is hector morero always eat breakfast